Welcome in to the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here after Kansas came away and finished off the Big 12 regular season with a 78-70 win over Baylor. Kansas will finish the 2018-2019 regular season with a 23-8 record and a 12-6 record in the Big 12. And this was a really interesting game if you split it into two halves. You know, in the first half, you have more of a slugfest, kind of fight it, beat it out, defensive performance. And then the second half, you have a a much higher octane offensive showing from both teams. And I thought that in the first half, Kansas really struggled to get any sort of offense going against the Baylor zone. Kansas started off one of five from the field. It was really close early on. You know, Diedrich Lawson didn't shoot the ball all too well. You know, really, David McCormick was the only guy that showed up in the first half. McCormick did most of his work in the first half. Um, he finished with 12 points in the game, with 10 of them coming in the first half. And... Dave McCormick, I think, has shown a lot of growth in the past week. I mean, all season it's been with him. If he gets the ball in the post, it's a turnover or a missed shot. To me, that's what it's felt like for the majority of this season. He has been very sped up when he gets the ball in the post. He kind of, you can see him try and read defenses and try and figure out what's going on, but the game just moves too quickly for him, and it has in the past. And I think that this past week, you've really seen it slow down for him. Today, especially, I remember him using a pump fake to get his guy up in the air and then was able to finish around him. And that's not something I think that he would have thought to do earlier in the season. Not that he didn't have that in his repertoire, but that's something that comes with A, confidence, but B, also recognizing that you have your man in a place where you can use that pump fake to get them up in the air. And I thought that McCormick did a really good job in the first half of just staying calm in the post. You know, he showed really nice touch. Uh, There's one moment where he has kind of a little bit of a a turnaround jump hook that he made. And those are kind of some of the shots that earlier in the season, he just didn't have the touch, the feel, the confidence to make those. And I think that today he really showed that he's taking some steps in the right direction for that to work. But in general, in the first half, Kansas really struggled to get open looks. They didn't shoot the ball really terribly, in my opinion. You know, the open looks that they did get, they knocked down, and they were able to get some looks towards the end of the second half. But early on in the game, you know, Diedrich Lawson really did struggle trying to get going. He went two for nine in the first half, and I think what the Baylor defense did that maybe not uh, took him took Diedrich Lawson by surprise, but maybe that kind of threw him for a loop for a little bit, was that Lawson is used to having, when he is in the paint, a guy in his face. And what Baylor did was when Lawson got in the paint, they sagged off of him. And what that forced was Lawson to take a lot of little 10-footers, little jump hooks. And Lawson can be really good at those, but those are all about touch and feel. And that touch wasn't there for him in the first half. Then at halftime, you know, Diedrich said that Bill Self talked to him and said that, you know, you have to be better. You are better than this. And in the second half, I think Lawson turned it on. I'll talk a little bit about Lawson's second half performance in a minute. But to finish off this thought about the first half, I mean, Kansas goes in up 32-29 to at half. 
They shoot 41% from the field. And I think that the biggest reason why Kansas, you know, was up at half was more of their defense that they played against Baylor. I thought that they did a really good job of taking Baylor out of whatever they were trying to do offensively. Uh, I don't really remember any wide open looks from Baylor that came off of mishaps on Kansas's part. I felt like for the most part, they did a really good job of sticking to their assignments. There were a couple situations where KU switched one through five. There was one where KJ Lawson and David McCormick switched on the perimeter with about 15 seconds left on the shot clock. And usually for KU, um, they'll switch one through five if there are 10 seconds or left, less left on the shot clock. But there were a couple instances where they switched one through five. I don't necessarily know if that was a coaching decision or a heat of the moment, KJ Lawson or David saying, hey, let's switch this. But that was something interesting that I had saw, seen from what Kansas did. But then in the second half, you know, Kansas starts off pretty well. Um, but then there's a moment that I think really changed the game for Kansas, and it was when Diedrich Lawson got hit in the head by Flo Thamba after Mitch Lightfoot came up with an offensive rebound, threw the ball back up. It didn't fall for him, and then Thamba went up between Lawson and Quentin Grimes and grabbed the ball, but as he came down, the ball went out of his hands. It went out of bounds, and Thamba went to reach for it, and his hand came down out of the air and hit Deidre Glosson right on the nose. And Thamba was ended up, you know, it was the referees called a, didn't call a foul originally, but then they went to the monitor, called a flagrant. And from there, Deidre Glosson looked like an entirely different player. Um, he was aggressive, trying to get to the rim. Um, he kept going back to this rip-through move that he would get the ball and rip through and drive to the lane. And he was able to draw a lot of contact, got to the free throw line, and shot 10 free throws in the second half. And of those 10, he went um, 9 of 10. And I think that that was a moment, and Lawson even said it, that changed the game. I don't necessarily know if he was playing angry after that, but I think that that kind of pissed him off and he, he got going after that. And from there, Kansas, right after that flagrant, went on a 14-5 run to take their lead up to a game-high 14 points. And after that, Baylor was never able to come back. Um, they put together some a really nice run kind of down the stretch to make it you make KU sweat a little bit, but at the end of the day, KU was able to pull ahead and get that 8-point victory. I think my player of the game was Diedrich Lawson. Um I mean, at the end of the first half, my player of the game would have been Dave McCormick, but Diedrich Lawson was definitely, for the whole of the game, I thought he was the player of the game. You know, he is just has such a knack for his ability to just get to his spots and to, even if he has a bad game, if teams force him into some tough shots, some inefficient shots, he still has a knack for just getting you 20 and 10. And there's something to be said for that ability to be a walking 20 and 10. That's something that's hard to do. You know, not a lot of college players have the ability to go and get you 20 points and 10 rebounds. And Deidre Glosson seems like on a nightly basis, he's getting you 23 and 12, which is beyond impressive. And I do think that there's going to be an interesting case to be made for Big 12 Player of the Year now. I think a lot has to be said for being the best player on the best team. If we are using that metric to measure who the best player in the Big 12 is, then in my opinion, it is Jarrett Culver because he does so much for that Texas Tech team with 
a, not a lot of talent around him. Moretti is a really good player for Texas Tech. He makes a lot of shots. He's really efficient. You know, Mooney is really good for Texas Tech as well. Odiase, they have a lot of guys that fill roles, but they do not have the talent level that I would say a Kansas State has. You know, if you're going to rank the Big 12 by pure, you know, talent on teams, I, I still think Kansas is number one in that category and just pure talent on a team. But K-State is definitely a close second with the three seniors, with Mayween and Sneed and DR when he's healthy. I think they are a really good team. But then Texas Tech, I think, comes in third by a pretty big margin. I'd honestly say that Iowa State has more talent than Texas Tech does. And I think that that speaks to A, Jarrett Culver, and B, Chris Beard. So I think if you're going to measure the Big 12 Player of the Year by that metric, then I think that Jarrett Culver is definitely your guy. But if you're looking at pure talent, who is the most talented, who is the best player, who, if you were to plug them into any team, can still perform, I think that guy is Deidre Glosson by far. I mean, on this season, he is averaging 19.1 points and 10.8 rebounds. He's just under two assists per game. Additionally, he has one block and one steal around those numbers per game this season. That, I think, speaks enough of the impact that he has on the defensive end, whether it be defensive rebounding or poking away, you know, getting those steals out of post-ups. I think that overall he is, and Bill Self said it, he's the most talented player in the Big 12. So when those awards come out Sunday at 11, I'll be very interested to see who it is. I genuinely think it'll probably be, you know, a Barry Brown or a Jarrett Culver just because those two their teams won the league, but I think Dietrich Lawson really does deserve it if you're strictly looking at a who the best player in the Big 12 is. So looking at some other performances, I really thought that Devon Dotson had a good performance, but an interesting one. It was the only the second time this season that Dotson finished the game without an assist. The other time that happened against Vermont, the second game of the season when Quentin Grimes had a double-double. So Devon did not create shots for others, but what he did do was penetrate, and he did that often, and he did it really well. He was able to get into the lane, you know, he drew contact, he got to the free throw line, and just in general, I thought that he was really aggressive trying to score the ball. You know, those three turnovers that he has with zero assists, you know, not the best job, but against the zone where a lot of the points are predicated on ball movement, so it's not going to be as much of Devon coming off of pick and rolls and making reads and picking guys out. It's a lot more of moving the ball, and by doing that, I think you can kind of just stumble into some assists. I mean, you look at kind of the assist numbers, and it's a little random. Ochai Baji had four assists, Marcus Garrett had three assists, Diedrich had one assist, KJ Lawson had one assist, and Quentin Grimes had five. I'll talk about Quentin Grimes here in a second. But with Dotson, I thought that it was just really a, a weird performance that he didn't get any assists, but still was able to be aggressive. And I think that he had a good game. I think it also speaks that, you know, how good Devon is on the defensive end that, you know, he's still able to come away with two steals, that he plays really hard on the defensive end. I think just in general, this was a tenacious effort from Devon Dotson, you know, it wasn't a, a team-oriented performance. It was more tenacious. He was really tough on the defensive end and really tough on the offensive end, just penetrating, kicking out, and making sure that that ball did move in the second half and move that Baylor zone around. Now, as for Quentin Grimes, I thought that you know he shot the ball well. I thought that he was a it was a it was a good Quentin Grimes performance. Not great, not bad, 
He had good moments. He had bad moments. I think shooting the ball went three of four from three, missed his other two shots inside the arc. Shooting the ball, I think that that's a, a fine, acceptable performance from him. Rebounding, he got you the two rebounds that he gets per game. But assisting, I thought that that was the most interesting part of his game. He threw two really nice lob passes to Ochai Abaji, and he had some other good assists as well. But I think that those two really stood out to me. I think the first Abaji lob in general really was, for me, the best pass of the game, just because David McCormick was right there um, in the post, and Abaji ran right past him and grimes through the just an inch-perfect pass. And it was from... If you look at the basket, so if you're looking um, towards the rim, you know Grimes was on kind of the left wing, just to the left at the top of the key, and Abaji was coming across the right block. So he threw it across the lane to Abaji, who was able to dunk it. And I think that Grimes is honestly, he, he's not shown it as much this season, but I think that he is the best passer on this team. His ability to pick out passes, he doesn't always do it. But when he does, I think he is the best at it on the team. Now, he did have some defensive lapses. There was a time where he miscommunicated with Marcus Garrett, and Baylor was able to get a wide-open three. I think that was either Baylor's first or second made three of the game. But there were still some of those defensive lapses, and Grimes found himself on the bench to start the second half. You know, Garrett started for him. But I think in general, if you were to just give you know this performance a grade from Grimes, I'd give it a B or B-. minus. I think going forward, you would take this performance if you were to say, hey, Quentin is going to get you basically nine points, five assists, two rebounds, and on one turnover in 22 minutes. I think you'd be pretty happy with that. But I do think that there's some room for improvement on the defensive end from Quentin. So as we go forward, kind of just looking ahead into the Big 12 tournament, Kansas will play Texas next Thursday. It'll be the late game. So that'll be a late start in Kansas City, and chances are it'll get pushed back a little bit just because of the amount of games before them, and those games do tend to run, even if it's a few minutes, just a few minutes long. So if it's a listed 8 o'clock time, I'd assume that game would probably start around 8.20 or 8.30. Kansas, I think, needs a really good weekend in the Big 12 tournament to either get a two-seed or to make sure that they are playing in a Tulsa, where they're going to be close to home, where fans can come and bring the energy. I think it may be a little tough for Kansas to make it into that Kansas City Regional just because of the fact that they are Kansas still, and I don't think that the NCAA Tournament Committee is going to want to throw a Gonzaga or Virginia or whoever into a bracket with a Kansas team where Kansas could feasibly be the lower seed but have the home court advantage in a trip to go to the Final Four or even to make it to the Elite Eight. So looking forward, I do think that Kansas really has all the talent and all the ability to go and win in the Big 12 tournament. They've shown that they can win on neutral floors and they've shown that really the only area that they've struggled in this season is those away games. And I think that a big part of that is because of the atmosphere. So I'll be really interested to see this weekend in a mixed atmosphere how Kansas does if they are going to play like they do at home, if they're going to play like they have on the road, because Kansas hasn't played a neutral site game since way back in, I believe it would have been late November at the NIT preseason invitational. So as we enter the Big 12 tournament in the NCAA tournament, I'll be really interested to see how Kansas does playing on a neutral floor. 
and how they do poise-wise if they do get down early in one of these games on a neutral floor where there isn't a hostile crowd that is jumping down your throat. That's going to do it for this edition of the Fog.net podcast. As always, stay tuned to Fog.net for all sorts of post-game coverage. I've got a game story up right now on Diedrich Lawson. Scott Chasen has a really good wrap-up of the conference season for Kansas and kind of a Kansas, where do they stand entering tournament play. As always, we'll have some really good content coming from this Baylor game and getting you into the Big 12 tournament. We'll also have some really good football content coming this week. As always, you can follow myself on Twitter at mswain97, and you can follow Scott Chasen on Twitter at Scott. And with that said, we will talk to you Thursday night after Kansas plays Texas. Mm-hmm.